Welcome to the Tucson Bitcoin Podcast. Today, my guest is Alex Fetsky, and this is an awesome conversation. I always enjoy sitting down with Alex and, and, and talking, hearing his perspective on things. His his uh, writings and podcasts have been really you know helpful for me in shaping my uh, you know development and my Bitcoin journey. But uh, yeah, in this conversation, we talk about a bunch of stuff. We talk about you know surviving the incoming storm. Uh, we talk about future hyper Bitcoinization. Uh, and yeah, we just get into it talking about all these things. And he, he's had some great episodes on his podcast recently. I really enjoyed the one he had with Michael Krieger. Uh, but yeah, it's this is a journey that we're on. And I think we're all growing and learning. And that is especially true for me. Uh, but, you know, what ultimately, you know, seems to be uh, the case for a lot of Bitcoiners like Alex is this importance on, you know, growth personal development and really seeking for what is true uh, rather than just going on with whatever the narrative is and so it was really fun diving into it and I hope you enjoy this conversation with him. And we're recording. Good to have you on again. Hey buddy, thank you. It's been a, it's been a while. I think the last time we spoke I was in this bank apartment in Berlin and it was winter and I was pissed off with the world, of course. Um, and Berlin had kind of like doubled down and they're more on lockdowns and everything it was illegal to walk outside practically. Um, and yeah, and it was just before I escaped to Brazil. So it's a, it's a very different place where I'm at now. <laughs> yeah, you've been all over the place. Yeah, dude, um, all, all over the place. So now I'm in Miami um, and yeah, it, it could not be more of a contrast. Uh, it's actually shit it's almost a year on i can't believe it it's been a year since we last spoke fucking hell yeah yeah and it was cool to meet you in person too at the max kaiser event that was an awesome surprise yeah absolutely man it was a cool little last minute thing but i'm I'm glad i was able to pull it off and met you who else did i meet over there that um that i hadn't met before but there was a couple people that i'd met that i hadn't met before but you were the sort of standout um it was a good little event yeah, we had our whole like Arizona Citadel crew at there, and yeah. we're we're building something cool out here. Yeah, you are, man. It's a it's a cool place. And then I I mean I don't know much about you know Arizona more broadly, but I guess I saw that uh, sheriff, some Arizona sheriff, like came out the other day saying you know as long as I'm fucking sheriff, we're not mandating anything. Blah blah blah. So it was it's a cool place, man. At least if that's the kind of energy that's there. Yeah, it, it, it's a well-kept secret. Like, Texas is a big meme, but there are a bunch of LARPers out there. We we do real in Arizona. <laughs> All right, I'll let Punk a little snow. <laughs> yeah. The Texans. My my, I have another show called Toxic Airwaves, and Skeef co-hosts it with me, and he says the Texans think that they're, they're cool because they had a fort 200 years ago, but they just LARP. And I think that's a great quote. Well, there we go. I, I guess t- time will tell, my friends. Um, we will see the crunch times happening in the next five years. So we'll see who's actually laughing and who's actually got the balls between their between their legs. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like a time for balls um, it, and non-compliance. It's it's pretty real with the stuff that they're pushing and mandating right now. And uh, watching what's happening in Australia kind of seems like it's that's the playbook that they're going to try and play 
elsewhere too. Um, so what, what's your outlook looking at these next five years? Well, the thing is, whether it's a playbook, and this is sort of, I, I did a pod recently, which I'm going to release, I think, tomorrow, the day after. Uh, it was with Laser Hoddle, Mark Moss, uh, Liberty Blitz, um, Michael Krieger, uh, Joel from Untapped Growth, and, um, and it was the herbalist to ask us to put it together. And, and, and we did that. It was a really good fucking conversation. And, and I kind of took the devil's advocate position saying that, look, it doesn't, there doesn't need to be a playbook. There doesn't need to be an agenda. Uh, this kind of stuff manifests when the values hierarchies are distorted and when you have a when when society and decision making is not anchored into real world consequences you actually end up going down this path whether there's an agenda or not like this is where you end up um so so if we can if we can explain the derangement of the world in the absence of an agenda I think we've got a lot more chance of waking people up. We, we don't have to tell them that there's men behind the curtain because I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is always like an attempt at an agenda. And, and I mean, the fact of the matter is we're all uh, pushing some sort of agenda at the individual level. I, you know, my agenda is I want to accumulate more Bitcoin and I want to take down the nation state. That's my conspiracy. Um, you know, the, the person down the road for me, their conspiracy is, you know, they want to uh, build a family, find a wife, build a family and, you know, work nine to five for the next 40 years and retire, you know, someone else's conspiracy is that, you know, they want to get laid, uh, whatever. So, so everyone's always pushing an agenda. Everyone's got a conspiracy and we sort of have all of these agendas and pathways clashing and the, the macro of that, um, or the, what's like the, the complex crowd madness of the crowds version of that moves in a particular direction dependent on like a compounded effect of all of the individual incentives and the individual um, uh, decisions that are being made. And, and this is why I always like, for me, it's the most important thing about Bitcoin is like you fix those base incentives and all of a sudden the, the madness of the crowd starts to, you know, move into a different direction because, you know, that that's a justice. So anyway, I, I just feel like there's a, whether it's an agenda or not, it doesn't matter, but, you know, places like Australia have suffered uh, disproportionately uh, in this period, particularly over the last you know few months as we've seen, because they value societally and individually safety more than they value growth. You know that that is a that is a common trait that you find in Australia, mm-hmm. um, or they, they they value sorry safety more than personal responsibility is probably a better way to put it. So when you value per, you know safety over personal responsibility and and safety is the thing that's being sold to you by the service provider that is the government who has a monopoly on the delivery of safety, um, you, you can see how you would end up there. And then, then you sort of, you layer that problem, that sort of that values, uh, inverted values hierarchy in that country, you layer that with uh, a place that has been able to accumulate and accrue capital, like real capital, because it was built originally on Western values. You have a very rich nation of a very rich, middle class that doesn't feel the impact of the bad decisions that are being made uh, so they continue making those bad decisions because if you're a middle class person in Australia you're generally okay you know you've got you, you get your little uh, mortgage holiday so you don't have to pay for that um, you know they'll give you some helicopter money so you'll feel good um, you know you'll last year what they did to keep everyone happy is all the businesses they gave them like the government basically paid uh, I think it was 50 to 80% of the, the payroll 
for businesses um, for about a six month period. So, you know, it was, in, it was enough to like keep people okay. Um, and when, you, when you've got that killer combination of an economic cushion large enough to, uh, large enough to you know, give you the illusion of there being no consequences for bad decisions, couple that with an inverted values hierarchy in which shit like safety and protection and comfort are valued higher than personal responsibility, you know, growth, adventure, expansion. You, you get Australia, you get Canada, you get New Zealand. And here we are. Yeah, that's a, that's a really, really interesting um, thought as far as like they're not necessarily being an overarching conspiracy and just having a bunch of people detached from reality. And I like that. Because that's yeah. what I see. That's what I see. Like, we have these zombie-like people screeching at the top of their lungs, demanding these totalitarian policies, and there's just no, no attachment to reality. And the- that's it. If these if these dumbass zombies, if these lemmings were fucking dying of starvation, they would be stopping straight away. Like, so so for example. I mean, everyone knows my story, I think, at this point about like that stupid SJW bitch that I got stuck with in Germany um, for a little while. And she was the perfect, she's the quintessential example of a supporter of lockdowns, masks and shit, where she got money from the government. She was getting money given to her by her parents. Um, You know, all she was doing was staying at home all day, watching Disney, playing with her fucking puzzles, you know, taking drugs and uh, escaping to her gay friend's place so they could all take drugs together. Um, you know, basically doing what she said people shouldn't do. So this was the hypocrisy that drove me crazy. So she would like say, everyone's gotta be locked down. We have to win this, you know, we have to beat the virus and you know, everyone should just be close the business. But I was like, the fuck's gonna pay the bills you moron. Oh, but that doesn't matter. You know, the government can give everyone money. And then she's the one on weekends, you know, disappearing on a Friday and coming back on the Monday, um, drugged off her fucking face. Um, because she had an economic cushion that allowed her to not face the reality of not working and of things shutting down. But if you starve these motherfuckers and they have nothing to like in, in two ways, number one, you stop giving them money so they don't have anything to buy with. But number two is if those businesses that, you know, where the supply chain, where their, their dependence on food and Uber Eats and everything fucking comes from, that starts to shut down. You see these mother they, they won't be talking about lockdown, they won't be talking about any of that shit. And that, that's the problem when you have an affluent um, state that can still, you know, appease these fucking lemmings. Uh, you get the the supporters. Like, you know, in, in many ways, like as much as everyone wants to blame like, you know, the Klaus Schwabs of the world, man, I blame the fucking lemming that's wearing the mask next door supporting that because that's the fucking teeth. Like Klaus Schwab is a fucking nobody uh, had he not had his little lemmings running around uh, supporting the lockdowns and everything. None of this shit would happen. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And I think that's like one of the powerful things we're seeing happening in Arizona is we're seeing like a mass exodus from the school systems and we're seeing people uh, move towards creating circular economies of sorts unfortunately mm-hmm. not not with bitcoin we're working on that you know pretty hard but uh i think those are really encouraging things that there's a large portion of the population even though they're probably misguided on a lot of different issues um that are seen that they can't just continue to go on with how things are and uh are taking action 
to prevent those people from having power. Yeah, well, that's the thing. So in a complex system, you know, you'll always get these silver linings, right? Is because there is no way, like a complex system cannot be directed. You know, you, you can attempt to go and create feedback loops, like, right? So if you understand that, you know, if, if, I, if I push this button uh, or if I, you know, put this pressure here on the complex system, I could create a feedback loop. But it's impossible for me to know that in creating this feedback loop of fear here, what else is going to happen in the system that either counteracts or counterbalances or whatever. So like, if you look at uh, the world economy or, you know, all human beings and human action as a collective, you know, it has been for the last couple hundred years trying to find its way through without a fucking anchor to reality uh, in because we have lived in a state of just pure fucking fiat. Right. And one could argue that Bitcoin is actually the silver lining of that. Had we not had fiat, we wouldn't have Bitcoin. And that's that kind of, you know, the, 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 the silver lining, that kind of the system produces it because there's a, there's a distortion in one area and it, you know, does its best to uh, balance and counterbalance and, you know, adjust in the other area to, for the system itself to save itself from, you know, complete elimination. basically. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting to look at that. And I think that that works until they get complete totalitarian control and are able to coerce a population. Like I, I struggle to see how that really played out in like the Soviet Union outside of there being black markets for people to, you know, continue to eat. But well, yeah, that, that, but see, that's again. So the black markets is, you know, that's the system trying to correct itself. That that's effectively what it was, right? So you you know you had this emergence of you know black market uh i mean free market we should call it um yeah exchange occurring uh without or outside of you know the the, the controlled restriction because they were trying to control a complex system which as you noted you can't do the the, the interesting thing one of the topics that came up when we we're doing that little pod uh, last week at the boys was um you know, are, are we, do we live in an era where there is enough data and there is enough like, you know, AI and smarts and all this sort of shit to potentially for a totalitarian state or a regime to actually uh, enact a, you know, or, or exert enough control over a complex system for them to actually, you know, do it this time and for us to become, you know, the final social credit system. And, and I don't know if I have a clear answer to that. You know, I guess this kind of ties into the topic we wanted to sort of hit on today is like, you know, what does this, what does this all look like? And is it possible for, um, for a totalitarian like state to actually even succeed? Like, you know, could that happen in a world in which there's enough like AI software programs, et cetera, et cetera, to, to run that and where, where we actually, you know, end up in a gulag or does that also fucking fall apart because, you know, the hubris of running a, um, you know, essentially planned existence just, you know, it doesn't work. So I don't know. I don't know if you've got a comment on that. Yeah. I mean, I think like the way I, I look at it is that these centrally controlled systems will always fail. Like mm -hmm. we know command control economies are extremely destructive and, 
you know, there's a lot of hype right now about China being super, you know, threatening and problematic to the world's freedom, but it, I see it as more of a house of cards than the United States is even, which is pretty impressive. Um, but, uh, uh, so I, I feel hopeful on that front, you know, and I think there's just so many, you know, the, the problem with like this globalist idea is that there's so many people of different cultures and value sets and, uh, you know, aspirations that it's hard to bring everybody, you know, into one system. And then even if you go higher up to the people that would be implementing this, they have conflicting goals as well and will fight. So like George Soros, you know, was wrote like some scathing report against BlackRock, you know, and those are like two incredibly powerful people slash institutions, uh, you know, that might be, you know, eventually duking it out. And I think that's, you know, should be really hopeful to, to people seeing, you know, the elites kind of go at it and fight. Let's, can I pull you up there? Can we not call them elites? Can we call them parasites? I'm on, yeah. on, a, I'm on a campaign. Like I was, I was talking to Jimmy Song about this. I'm on a campaign to change the phraseology around elite. Like to me, when I think of elite, I think of Bruce Lee or Usain Bolt or like Alexander the Great or something like that. You know, like heroes, people who are fucking transforming the world. Like Bitcoin, Satoshi was an elite. You know, these fucking scum pieces of shit cunt fuckers like that are like your Soros's and your Christine Lagarde's, like they do not deserve that classification. They are parasites. Simple as that. Like I fucking hate them. They're the they're the bugs of the bugs of the bugs of the fucking worms, man. That's all they are. I like that. Thank you. Yeah. I just like I, I do this on every podcast now when everyone brings up the word elites. I'm like, no no no. Let's change this. They're parasites. That's it. And and that's a nice way of putting it. Yeah, the sociopathic anti human control freaks and power yeah that's it they're they're, they're too pathetic to fucking have any influence over their own life so they want to project it onto everyone else's life fuck them yeah i've been the last year's been really good for me diving into anarchism and learning a bit about it like a probably a year prior i would have called myself a classical liberal and Mm -hmm. i resonated a lot with um you know what mises wrote in his book liberalism or like what hayek talked about with like this idea of limited government and uh now it just seems like all authority you know to some degree is or to a large degree is illegitimate because it's just people thinking that they have superiority and can rule others which is just so backwards well maybe maybe i can challenge you on this one so i think natural authority um exists natural authority is is a is a subset of competence right so if you want to run a business for example you need to have authority over others. Like, you know, there's, there's specific people who are more competent in particular roles that, you know, have an earned authority uh, in which they, you know, without that earned authority, they can't, um, quote unquote, govern or manage a uh, process better. So like, if you look at, um, you know, the, the concept of a, of a master and an apprentice, you know, that, that, that master has authority over the apprentice. And he can rule over the apprentice, but it's a voluntary relationship in many ways, in the sense that the apprentice wants to learn. Um, so the master becomes the authority and becomes the ruler over the apprentice, same as a um, same as a master over a, you know a, a school over a dojo. Um, you know, there's a I've done a lot of reading over like Japanese history, um, particularly in the last year and a half, or whatever it's been, or the last year and. You know, there was there was a natural hierarchy 
that emerged as opposed to what I would call today, we have a fiat hierarchy, which is not, uh, it doesn't emerge from competence, it emerges by decree. Um, or, or it is not, it doesn't even emerge, it is bestowed by decree. So what you don't get is you don't get um, natural authority, you don't get competent authority, you get the fucking dumbest of the dumb uh, at the top of the hierarchy, mm-hmm. uh, thinking that they can tell people what the fuck to do uh, because they have some uh, fiat version of authority. So, so and, and I wrote about this actually in, um, I don't know if you started reading the Jordan Peterson series yet, but I started writing a list of... Um, basically took his 12 rules for life and I'm taking each rule and distilling the lessons or the, you know, the intent of the rule and looking at it through the Bitcoin lens. Um, and the first one I talked about specifically this, it's called Bitcoin territory and hierarchy. And, and I honestly do believe that hierarchy has such an important place um, and authority has an important place. Um, but because humans are multidimensional, like hierarchies need to need to sort of, grow and collapse grow and collapse and they need to evolve and adjust like we've got these stale fiat by decree hierarchies at the moment which are deformed they're fucking top heavy they're full of incompetence they're full of fucking morons and that is a function of the fact that we can actually lie to ourselves and kick the can down the road on economic consequence right like if you can lie to yourself this is the australia example yet again which is happening everywhere in the world is if you make a bad decision but you have no way of knowing that the consequences of that bad, sorry, you have no way of um, knowing if it was a bad decision because you didn't feel the consequences. Like if you passed the, the cost to somebody else, you don't know you're making a bad decision. It's like putting your hand on a stove. There's a reason we have pain receptors. It's so that you take your fucking hand off before you burn your whole goddamn arm off. And at the moment, you know, we've structured society in a way that we've removed the pain receptor and people are putting their hand on the stove and I'm like, oh, it's okay. I don't feel any pain. And you're fucking burning your whole damn hand off. So, so that's sort of, you know, we've deformed authority because there's no uh, recourse to, to consequence at the moment. So anyway, that, that's just something where I think there's a, because I, I did the whole swing with you as well. Like I did the whole anarchism thing and, and I'm still largely an anarchist, but there's got to be levels of authority or layers of authority that are earned. And, and I think this is an interesting next area for me that I'm also exploring, which um, I think will be, I don't know, it'll manifest in an interesting way through Bitcoin. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I mean, I, one of the things that I was kind of like puzzling in my head is the, the idea of like, there, there has to be an authority in a family structure which is like the yeah. most basic, like a, like a yep. kid and a parent are not on equal footing. And, Absolutely. and so how do we, you know, define those, those roles or relationships in a way that's not, you know, abusive or, um, and I think that's kind of an interesting, you know, concept to get into, but yeah, I mean, I've, you know, tried to go down the rabbit hole of, um, you know, being self-sustainable and in the process have really saw, seen the importance of the division of labor of, you know, certain people are better at other things than others. Yeah, man. And so, mm. go on, go on, go on. yeah. And so I, I do think that that concept of earned authority, which is, you know, either conquered authority or bestowed authority, assumed authority is, is an interesting interesting concept for sure because you want the the 
most competent, best producers at the top making decisions. So that's it. That's it. Because they've earned that shit. They've made good decisions with their own shit. You know, like there's a great saying from Jim Rohn that says that um, make the most of um, you know what you have. Like oh, I can't remember now. I'm butchering the fuck out of it, but it was something along the lines of like take responsibility and do the best with um, what you have while it's small. Um, and you'll be given more to, you know, be responsible for. And and that that's the progression of everything, man. Like, you know, that is natural progression. It's not uh, because I'm fucking George Bush's son that I should be the fucking president. No, you're a fucking monkey. Like, you know, that that's not how it works. Like, and, and, and the, the very fact that, the public apparatus exists it leans towards making fiat authority a thing instead of owned authority and 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 that right there is again why bitcoin fixes this is that bitcoin breaks that because when you make bad economic decisions in bitcoin you have no way to get bailed out you fucking lose everything you know you fuck it up for other people they come they find you they burn you at the stake and you know we someone else rises from the ranks so it, it's it's all about consequence you know I, I think the more i think about this the more like i start to see the um almost the the wisdom in like things like in the middle east which is you steal something you get your fucking hand chopped off right the the hand that you stole with so it's like there's a real consequence for stealing um whereas if the consequence of stealing is like a little slap on the wrist you, know, you might not do that so it's um oh sorry you you might just go ahead and do that again and again and again and and that's where i don't know i just i just it might sound harsh but like um yeah i think bitcoin's gonna usher in a world where you make bad life choices bad governance choices bad management choices you know there's no one else to blame but you and you can't cover it up um and as a result you know we will get these dynamic hierarchies that emerge and you know quickly get cleaned out if they're not functional um so that something stronger emerges instead of these you know 100 year old 200 year old shithole versions of it yeah yeah it's really interesting to think about what that looks like i don't think eric Voorhees would succeed very well in a society like that correct yeah correct exactly eric Voorhees would be like thrown the fuck out very quickly yeah We're, so so how do you see the, like the movement into a society like that from where we're at right now with this mass delusion detachment from reality and it's like things have to break that's the problem like until so so this coming back to our consequence theme here is like if you're not feeling the consequences of bad decisions what are you going to do you're going to keep doing the stupid thing that you're doing right and i think We've, we've felt some of it and those of us who are i guess more intelligent or more nuanced or more um more sensitive to seeing the world potentially break down under the weight of its own stupidity we we are the first ones to call it out and you know as any intelligent person would do like we try and warn other people what we're doing here but we also you know protect ourselves which is what we do through buying bitcoin um but by and large, because the rest of these Muppets and fucking Lemmings uh, on a one-way path off the cliff 
in many ways, maybe a large enough number of them need to fall down off the cliff. And, you know, the rest of the lemmings that are on the way walking off might need to actually look down before they jump and realize that there's a bunch of fucking corpses down there um, and then stop. So, so in other ways, so in other words, like I'm trying to make up an analogy here of, I don't know if it gets better and I don't know if that this transition is one that is, um, is pretty in any way. I think it's ugly as fuck. And I think that, yeah, the, like the, the, the tragedy is, it's just, I mean, I read when money dies like earlier this year and it's like, we're just repeating the same shit over and over again. Like the, the mistakes of the central bankers, they fucked everything up in Germany. Um, so the Jews went and bought hard assets and it wasn't just the Jews. There was other intelligent people that did that. Um, and then they were the ones who got blamed for the collapse of the middle class. So, you know, I think we're going to have to think about how to protect ourselves um, from that blame because, I mean, Bitcoiners are at an interesting point of confluence, right? We're the anti-vaxxers, we're the anti-maskers, we're the anti-lockdowners, and we're going to be disproportionately rich. So everything's going to be our fault. Um, so I don't know, we've, we've got to do as much as we can to to, I guess, wake up those who have the ingredients to be woken up and then prepare ourselves to protect us and those we care about from the lemmings who will be blaming us. Um, and we're just gonna have to ride this shit out because yeah, it's, I know, it's not gonna be, it's not gonna be pretty. So, yeah. Not a very good answer, but fuck. No, I think that's really interesting. Um, so two concepts there, like protecting yourself from the eventual demonization. I mean, we've we've already seen this. You know, it's it's a thing that's happening. You know, it's it's definitely there's this weird human uh, behavior or characteristic that people really struggle to feel empathy for others until they're experiencing what it is, and so. Um, you know, being labeled a domestic terrorist has definitely been, uh, you know, I think eye-opening for a lot of people of realizing, you know, what's been happening for years with, uh, you know, the, the treat throwing people in cages for, you know, not victim and victimless crimes and, you know, all of the other stuff that's, that's been happening, you know, to then be treated like shit, just like, you know, they've totally been complacent with watching others, but, yeah, there's, there's something I I really hate politics more than anything. Um, there's few things I hate more than politics, but I've been you know trying to reach out and network within you know libertarian groups, um, it locally because I think those are good people to network with, and I think that's um, you know they're they're the people kind of like you were talking about that have more of the ingredients to be to wake up and. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that that's the thing. So, so have you read Isaiah's Job? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this is a it's a it's a short essay. You'll find it on um, Mises uh, or Mises, sorry, dot org. Um, and it's it's by the author is Albert J. J. Nock, and it was the it's like an essay that was basically inspired by um, sorry that that inspired 
Murray Rothbard and Rand and a lot of the libertarians and things like that. And and it basically the premise of it is the idea of Isaiah is like the prophet of God, and you know he's told by God not to go and preach to the masses, but to preach to the remnant. And the remnant being defined as you know these people who exist who you don't know that they're out there and like you know sort of god gives us a uh two guarantees he said guarantee number one is that the remnant exists and that these people are out there and uh guarantee number two is that you won't find them they will find you um and he basically tells isaiah that don't go out and preach to the masses because to appeal to the masses you need to dilute your message you need to like make it more nice and you know easy you know easy to understand and all this sort of shit he said what you'll do is you'll appeal to the masses who don't matter but you'll actually uh you won't pass the smell test of the remnant who do matter and you become effectively a fake prophet and and it's funny because i only read this recently but i've had this personal tendency uh for, for a long time like i was one of the first people to get up and say fuck mass adoption in bitcoin i care about selective adoption mm-hmm. and i care about the right people having bitcoin and you'll talk about the losers who don't want to buy it and, and i mean i even wrote that article last week which was called do not buy bitcoin you know if you don't believe in it i'm not here to convince you go fuck yourself go please buy australian dollars buy us dollars please buy gold you know go fuck yourself more bitcoin for me more bitcoin for those who matter so so i guess tying it back like to what we just mentioned is we're effectively just describing the process of building relationships with the remnant and the remnant is most likely going to be found in those libertarian circles in the ancap circles and i mean i think bitcoin is the ultimate remnant but like that that's that's where it all is and um and that's where we should be putting our time and energy we don't need to dilute like crypto is for the masses bitcoin is for the remnant that's probably a really good like way to frame this in fact i'm probably going to tweet that but um that's a that's the like you know, it's a really powerful distinction. Yeah, I think that's huge. It's, it's, yeah, that's definitely like an approach I, I've taken with the meetup groups that I've had in, uh, in Tucson, you know, where initially I wanted to get everybody on Bitcoin because I saw there being a major issue that, you know, Bitcoin would solve in our community with the inflation. And, you know, we have a lot of immigrants and, you know, people that, can't access banking services. And I thought that'd be, you know, a great solution for that. But, you know, what it comes down to is a lot of people just aren't willing to, to take on that full responsibility, you know, that comes with Bitcoin. And, and I agree with you, a lot of people just aren't ready for it. And it's not a good use of time to go out there and try and appeal to them. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it doesn't help, you know, in the, in the future with, what's coming too, because like we ultimately need to be focusing on who's going to have our backs for the coming storm. That's it. That's it. You, you don't want, you don't want fucking the, the sludge basically to, to drag you down. Fuck them. Yeah. What are, what are yeah. some solutions that you're working on in that regard? Well, uh, I'm going to continue obviously my writing uh, i haven't had a chance to do any writing in august uh, i try and do at least a piece a month but 
August was just a busy month. So I'm going to try and produce two pieces this month. Uh, one is actually called um, Bitcoin, Bitcoiners and Citadels. And it is the third chapter of the Jordan Peterson installment. So that'll go live on, um, on Bitcoin Magazine. And that was supposed to go out live last month, but I just couldn't get it finished. Um, and I'm kind of glad that I didn't publish it because I only just recently read The Remnant and I was like, fuck, this is perfect for... Uh, sorry, I recently read Isaiah's job. So it's like the remnant idea is perfect for this essay. So I'm doing that stuff. Um, I'm continuing with, you know, the podcast, obviously. Um, you know, what I do with Amber is will and always will be Bitcoin centric. You know, I'm not going to try and appeal to the masses and make a, you know, a crypto friendly fucking product. Crypto is going to go fuck itself. Um, so, you know, I, I continue to do that. And, and I think if, if people who have, either a platform um, or a way of speaking or a way of you know building useful products or technology and everything they take that same approach like we'll kill it they, they they just can't you can't stop something like you know quote unquote the remnant like it's impossible so i don't know if that is, is that sort of the, the kind of answer that you were kind of leaning towards then or, or not really no i wasn't it was just open-ended question it wasn't leading you anywhere but yeah, yeah no, that, I, was, I was just i'm just not sure if i heard the question right that's all <laughs> no i was just asking what you're working on in that regard yeah i mean i think that's huge and we have histor- historical precedents for this so like i grew up in a really religious um household and grew up reading about the protestant reformation quite a bit and you know what people were doing and smuggling bibles around um, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, the Christianity in places like China and the Soviet Union is, is very, very interesting. And I think outlines like a really good playbook for what, you know, Bitcoiners can do in the future. And interesting. So, so can you talk me through a little bit of like what's happening in that space, like Christianity in those regions? Yeah. So like specifically in China, um, they have like state authorized religion uh, and they go and like rewrite, you know, different religious texts and, you know, you can see what's happening to the Uyghur um, population, you know, where they're just like gathering up people and putting them in concentration camps. So they're trying to like, you know, it's like technically legal. um, But, you know, if people are there, you know, from other countries talking about Christianity with the local people, uh, they'll, you know, kick them out of the country. And then if there's, uh, you know, people within the country, they get gulagged um, for doing that. And so what's happened is there's been a tremendous amount of growth and underground churches of people, you know, creating these networks and and meeting um, intentionally together, uh, despite, you know, the the state's, uh, you know, really strong crackdowns against it. And, you know, you saw that like in the Soviet Union too, where they were uh, had the iron curtain that they were like smuggling Bibles across the border into it. Or, you know, even, even the stuff like Alex Gladstein and, and those guys have been doing with like smuggling flash drives into North Korea with like Western movies on it. I think that stuff is, mm-hmm. you know, really, really interesting and fascinating. All of that shit. All of that shit. That, that's real bravery, you know, like, you know, in, in stark contrast to like what I saw on Twitter earlier today, that fucking loser who's like, I um used the the clockology you know thing to build a to build um something on my 
to make the the home screen of my Apple Watch my vaccine passport QR code. Oh, fucking wow! Like, and <laughs> it's like that's the level of bravery that these people, these fucking brainwashed lemmings, think is actually bravery. It's so pathetic. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's been amazing. I I have a rule, you know, for myself. I I try really hard not to bandwagon on anything on any movement that's going because it's just, you know, amazing to watch these things. Like, you know, when George Floyd died, you know, a bunch of people posted like black squares and mm-hmm. it's, just, it's just completely meaningless. Like, it, I know, man. I know, I know. I, I, do you know what's funny? When, when that happened, I was, so, so I was in Germany when that happened and this girl that I had like matched on Tinder or Bumble or some shit, um, you know, we we're supposed to catch up, and then she sends me this photo because she was at the stupid protest, and she's like, "Oh, uh, I saw this guy, and he looked like you. You know, I thought it was you. Um, how's your day going?" And I was like, "I said I wouldn't be caught dead at a dumbass protest like that. I said, what's wrong with you?" And she's like, "Oh, this is a, a a cause that means a lot to me." I said, "Yeah, it means a lot to you. Fucking three days out of your life, you fucking useless bitch. Like it was just. I, mean, I didn't say it that badly, but I was like, whatever. Like you know, you you just." fucking virtue signaling you fucking guilty white retard like you're just one of those classic white guilt like you know losers who you know you you've never done anything bad to a fucking black person what are you out there fucking complaining about it's like shut up and go to work do something useful like these people are just yeah man it it really makes me sick yeah have you ever been in jail before me um not in not in jail no no gotcha i i used to volunteer in one i fortunately somehow miraculously have never been in jail not yet at <laughs> least um the gulags are coming but um uh i used to volunteer in one and it was pretty you know wild walking in and having that door slam behind you and just knowing that like you're on your own and uh um, you know, it was pretty nerve wracking, uh, to go in there. It was extremely rewarding and it's amazing, like to sit down with these people that are human beings, um, and talk with them. Many of them having been there for, uh, you know, really silly, stupid reasons. The state just, you know, perpetrating violence against people arbitrarily for, for whatever reason. And I think it like kind of comes back to this, you know, concept of people don't understand, um, these things until they experience it. And this is something that really, you know, bothers me about a lot of those, those movements of like, I, you know, watching a cop commit act an act of violence against somebody for a victimless crime, you know, is something that's awful to, to watch, but then watching people just bandwagon into things and, and do absolutely nothing is also, you know, awful to watch. And it's like, you know, with Bitcoin, we we're taking meaningful action. That's it. Well, yeah, they, I mean, these idiots, what they do is they, they take, they don't understand the problem in the first place. So then they take, you know, their, their crap understanding and they create a movement of the fucking problem, which completely defeats the purpose of, you know, what, what actually happened. You know, so, so what happened was the state has, you know, these overextended powers and instead of acting to serve and protect it acts to you know enforce and fucking you know command um 
and it goes and arbitrarily kills some guy and you know whether he was a junkie or whatever the fucking story was etc it doesn't matter you use fucking counterfeit money whatever you don't just kill a fucking person for that Mm -hmm. so that was the problem the problem wasn't a fucking racial problem it was these two scumbag fucking piece of shit cops who you know had a level of immunity as state enforced the state henchmen um to behave in the way they're behaving Mm -hmm. and 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 that that sort of these idiots don't know how to um, articulate the problem. So then they go and create a fucking movement, which then deranges and, you know, we all know who runs the movement and what kind of people they are, et cetera, et cetera. And it's just like a, this is again, uh, no tether back to economic consequence. So they go and perform whatever actions they want and they know they don't know that they're bad actions. So So whether again, BLM is a conspiracy or whether it's just a fucking unhinged uh, exogenous kind of, you know, effect of a complex system going awry. Um, it doesn't matter. The outcome is the same. It's fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It, it, it's a clown world, you know, watching it really is. all this stuff. It really is. It really is. It's a fucking joke. Yeah. I mean, it, it's just... It, it's so nice to detach from that too, you know, from that culture and to just get out of this like uh, stream of just nonsense. Like wh- one of the reasons why I like Twitter is because it allows me to get in an echo chamber and kind of get away from all those, you know, morons. Yeah, it really is. It, it gives you a little bit of hope, right? Everyone says echo chambers are bad, but it's like, yeah, you know what? Echo chambers have their place, man. It's, you know, you sort of find your tribe. And that, that's another one of the themes in this new article that I'm writing is the idea of tribalism. We are tribal. That's what we are. There's nothing bad about fucking tribalism. There's nothing bad about hanging out with people who you share common values with. There's absolutely fucking nothing wrong with that. Um, but, you know, according to the lemmings, oh, you know, you shouldn't, you should spend time with people you don't like because we're all one. It's like, no, we're not. We're different. And it's a good thing. Do you not want diversity? Um, so yeah, I, I a hundred percent concur with you. I think Twitter, Bitcoin, Twitter in particular is like a, it's a beautiful place. And, and it's just another one of those, like nobody set it up. It wasn't centrally governed. You know, it's not something that someone told us to get along. It's like it emerged out of nothing and a bunch of people who found other people who were able to discover similar kernels of truth and form similar values and, you know, we've created this global fucking community where I can basically go to any city now and say, hey, I'm here, and I can make quick, relatively deep relationships with people um, because I know that they have the ingredients of the kind of person that I want to be around. It's, it's fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Uh, that idea of tribalism being natural is really interesting. And I think, like, it, it's really, I find it comical when people rail against capitalism uh, because I see <laughs> capitalism is just nature happening of people making decentralized. It, yeah. it literally is the most natural state of humanity. That, that's all it is. And like we, 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 we exist to uh, take capital in the form of you know, time, energy, and resources and produce it into something else. That is the process of capitalism, like perfectly natural behavior. But it's evil. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh it's 
it's interesting to watch. I mean, we, from or at least the way that I understand history, which might not be the most accurate, but it, we, for a certain amount of time, had a predominant monoculture in the United States. Um, and this, this vision of like, uh, what's the word? National pride um, seems to be breaking down substantially. And I think it kind of comes back to the idea of central planning always fails. And mm-hmm. the the way it plays out is it's going to be really, really interesting to watch. It, it might be terrifying to watch if you're, you know, in some places, but I think it'll be good um, ultimately in the long term. And it's, I mean, I'm just watching what's happening in Portland, Oregon. Like I was born out there, lived out there a little bit, and it's just a hell, hellscape, like communist. Really? Oh, yeah. They're like, it, it's like. But it's capitalism's fault. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's all these anarcho-communists out there um, that are running around throwing bombs at people and stuff. <laughs> um, Dumbest of the dumb. Yeah. But then there's places like, you know, Florida and Arizona that, you know, we're not putting up with the nonsense and I think are, are becoming freer over time. I mean, if you look at gun laws in the United States, it's pretty, you know, impressive of how they've changed over the past you know, 50 years and have gotten a lot less restrictive, um, in most places. And it's it kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier, the silver lining of the totalitarians will push and, you know, some places will become freer. I think the hard part is just finding those places to live and, and kind of pull out for a while. Well, this is, yeah, the example of why something like, um, uh, what do you call it? something like Bitcoin Twitter is so important um, and how we're able to just figure out ways to route around, you know, stupidity. Like, and I put the state squarely in the bucket of complete stupidity. So, Yeah. It really is stupidity. That's a good way to, to describe it. Yeah. That was, so that was actually, you, you listened to the podcast when I released it on Friday, but like it was, um, I kind of try to reframe the the argument of you know these elite parasites. Um, so these parasites, you know, running the show. I've tried to reframe it as I call them the idiots, just running around like idiots. That's it. So and and that's that's effectively what we've got. We don't have like a, a cabal of you know these intelligent operators who really know what they're doing they're executing a plan they're just idiots running around like idiots uh, making bad decisions and we're paying the we're paying the price for their bad decisions um and it's no wonder they don't realize they're making bad decisions so they just double down on these things because you know they know it's right like it's classic fucking child you know playground behavior but just with bigger weapons that's it yeah it's that something that I'm watching roll out, which I think is going to be really funny, is the vax mandates and how those um, come out in the United States. And I, I'm specifically like thinking, so they tried to to do them in Tucson, and uh, they just recently found that it was illegal, or somebody from the state government said that. But uh, um, what was going to happen was they were going to lose a very large portion of their city employees as a result of it and almost come to the point of not being able to function and 
you know, if the airlines, uh, you know, do something like that, you know, they're not going to be able to function. We're already seeing it, you know, where flights are getting canceled all over the place. And, you know, if they require people to, to all be vaccinated to fly, uh, they're going to cease to exist unless they get bailouts from the federal government, which I wouldn't, you know, push it past it, but it it is funny. Like they're almost intentionally sabotaging themselves. Um, Yeah. I mean, what a fucking circus. Definitely look forward to reading your stuff, you know, coming out in the future. Where, where can people follow your work? Um, so people can, I think the last time we did a podcast, I was at Alex Svetsky. Now I'm at Ghost of Svetsky. And so I live again. <laughs> I think I'm going to start a trend. So I heard that Bitcoin Decker is now Ghost of Decker. And, and Francis. Francis just, yeah, Francis said I'm Ghost of Francis. <laughs> so here we go. It's fucking hilarious. So, um, so, so let's see. Uh, so that, that's, that's the main thing. And I, you know, I generally, what I say to people is that if you want to um, see my mo- more brutal self, that's uh, where you want to go. Um, then svetsky.medium.com is my Medium blog. Um, and then I'm starting to do a lot more writing now for Bitcoin Magazine. And actually, what I should also mention, I, I always forget to shill my own damn business, but uh, I run a company called Amber, which is the world's first dollar cost averaging app for Bitcoin only. Um, and we will be available across 44 states, Arizona included, um, by the end of September. So we're in we're in private beta now for the US, and it is the best place to stack Bitcoin because we just got the coolest fucking features. So you've got like your, you know, daily, weekly, fortnightly, and or you guys call it bi-weekly and monthly, you know, auto DCA. But we've also got auto buy the dip, so you can set some if this then that kind of rules. So like if Bitcoin falls 3% um, within 24 hours, buy me this much Bitcoin. So you can like totally automate it. And we've got an automated withdrawal to your own cold storage. So that way you can like set the rules, set your DCA, have the money go in and just fucking forget about it. And you'll just like be stacking it or be going into your cold storage wallet without you even thinking. Nice. I got, I got one question, one final question for you. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. When do you, why do you think the exchanges aren't supporting Lightning yet? And will you guys? Because uh, it's not, um, there's nothing really like, okay, so, so let, let me give you a pragmatic answer to that. So uh, for a large exchange, they're generally, so, and this is notwithstanding the fact that, you know, exchanges like uh, Coinbase and shit are just enemies of Bitcoin. But let's assume that they're not enemies of Bitcoin. Let's assume they just look at it from a, economic standpoint they're like okay what could we do we could you know launch this kind of product which is like a debit card or we can launch a credit card we can launch this that these would generate this much income um or we could build you know some sort of lightning functionality in there so that people can i don't know what more easily withdraw or deposit their bitcoin i don't know what the the killer feature there for the for the lightning piece is as an exchange um, they're going to just deprioritize it and they're going to prioritize other money-making features before they prioritize the, um, the the Lightning feature. Now, for us, we don't have Lightning support yet because we batch withdrawals um, and for us, there's, there's no real need and there's never anyone really withdrawing small amounts in the app. They, you know, they DC over a month and then they withdraw in a batch. Um, we will do lightning withdrawals at some point um 
but it's not like super high up on the list because like for us as a business, again, it's like we're treating Bitcoin as a savings product. And what you want to do with a savings product is you want to accumulate some savings and then you want to claim your savings. And that can still be done on chain. As that starts to become more difficult to be done on chain, we're absolutely going to allow people to um, to move it off on Lightning. But that also does raise the barrier of, um, of I guess, not barrier of entry, but like it, it raises the, the technical requirements for a user. Like our users are only just starting to catch up to self-custody with normal Bitcoin wallet. Then if they're going to install a Lightning wallet and swap back to Bitcoin and stuff, it starts to create, starts to add complexity. So it's just, yeah, the pragmatic answer is that there's always priorities in the business and, you know, you need to do stuff. Um, I, I don't think like, see, we're a small, we're a nine person team, like, or 10 person team now. We have three engineers. Like, we have to be super fucking strict with what is the next piece that we've got to build that adds the maximum amount of value, that delivers value for not only the customer, but also the business so we can actually make money out of it um, and prioritize that first. Um, so, we, we run on limited resources. Now, a company like a Kraken or a Coinbase or something that's fucking rolling in billions of dollars don't have that kind of limitation like they can spin up a fucking team and they can implement that very quickly but they clearly don't care enough to do that so so there's there's a pragmatic answer and then there's the nuance to that pragmatic answer is that um yeah some people shouldn't have that excuse because they have the capital to do so like if i had their kind of capital like that'd be easy that just i'd run a parallel team just solve this problem please Interesting. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, like what? What are the what are the major benefits? I guess in in your mind for a consumer to have, like, when you talk about Lightning, is like, is that Lightning deposits and withdrawals, or like, what 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 feature is it exactly that you're that you had in mind when you asked that question? Yeah, I was more so thinking Lightning deposits and withdrawals. Um, yeah. Which. Yeah. I don't know. I just saw a tweet storm on Twitter about it of people trashing Kraken and other exchanges. So I was just curious, but I haven't thought of that. I mean, it would make sense like, you know, for people that are dealing with small amounts of money uh, in probably not the United States and other developed countries uh, to want support for that. But I don't know how practical it is because yeah. Well, the thing is, yeah, like to, to, to play, you know, on the side of the rant, it's that, hey, a company like Kraken, they've got 2,000 fucking employees, for fuck's sake. They have an engineering team of 250 people. Like, we've got an engineering team of three people. Like, I can make the argument that, hey, dude, I don't have the resources. I'll get to it, but I've got other things on the roadmap. Whereas Kraken can't say that, oh, you know, they've got 250 engineers working on what? Adding another shitcoin? Like, <laughs> come fuck yourself. Like, you know, we've got three engineers and we're adding resources, like we're putting our effort into making sure we have as many fiat on ramps as possible, because that's more important, like than creating a lightning off ramp, which is you know take your Bitcoin off. Like we've already got, you can get your Bitcoin out on Amber. It's, that problem is already solved. But what we want to do is we want to create more on ramps and we want to create greater coverage, and that's where engineering resources are going to. Whereas Kraken, they've already got on ramps, they've already got all this shit. And instead of building a lightning withdrawal capacity, they go and add, you know, penis coin 101. Like that is dumb as fuck. 
like we're not going and doing that so that that's i guess where i would de- definitely take the side of the person who you know made that argument yeah yeah screw the shit coin casinos Dude, they're just morons so anyway like if we can do it they can do it like and if we can somehow you know find the resources to build shit then you know that's that's what they need to fucking do that as well awesome well i'm looking forward to it rolling out in the u.s i'll i'll be following that and absolutely man thanks again for coming on it's a lot of fun absolutely anytime brother sounds good that was a fun time with alex and i always appreciate him coming on it I learned so much from him, and like I said, he has been very uh, instrumental in helping me in my journey, you know, through his writings, through his podcast, uh, just being a solid Bitcoiner in the Bitcoin space. It was cool meeting him for the, in person for the first time at the Kaiser event, and yeah, I, I think his, you know, what he talked about in this episode uh, as far as, you know, reaching out to the remnant, I think that's, uh, you know, incredibly important. Uh, there's a lot of people that, you know, aren't willing to, you know, come to grips with what's happening right now. And, you know, the fiat monetary system's unraveling. It's going to create a lot of upheaval. It already is. It's going to get worse. And, you know, Bitcoin is a solution to that. We can opt out of the nonsense right now. And, you know, that doesn't mean just buying it and having it sit in blockfi or sit on an exchange it it means like actually becoming a bitcoiner and seeking to be self-sovereign uh to take custody of your own keys uh, you know and to start you moving in a direction of self-responsibility to not be a victim to the state anymore and you know the other institutions that are out there that are trying to you know control you and uh i think we're creating an incredibly powerful movement with the arizona bitcoin meetup scene you know, we've got three meetups in three different cities uh, going right now, and there's cool things rolling out of it. We're working on building a circular economy in Tucson. You know, Cerevista is working on some, you know, really cool stuff in regards to self-sovereignty and just creating a cool community out there. And, and Phoenix has, you know, a, they're ready to roll out a Citadel pretty much. They've, they've got some really cool stuff going on out there. And, you know, going forward, I think it's incredibly important to find people that are like-minded and, and are willing to make a stand uh, regardless of whether they're, they're Bitcoiners or not. And a lot, of, a lot of people out there are a lot closer to becoming Bitcoiners. And those are the people that are, I think are worth time of investing to teach and uh, you know really help them along and, and also to learn from because there's a lot of people that have a lot of skill sets that are valuable like being self-sustainable, you know, farming, food, uh, production all, all sorts of stuff that you know is really really cool self-defense um but yeah anyways thank big thank you to alex for coming on make sure to follow him on twitter ghost of Svetsky. hopefully he's still on twitter um he might have to move to ghost of ghost of Svetsky eventually because he can get pretty brutal and you know twitter just has it out for some people they've kicked off skeef like four times um but yeah have a good one